You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to well, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old trouble on the drum and kick all trouble out the door beat me that rhythm on the drum beat me that rhythm on the drum beat me that rhythm on the drum and kick all trouble out the door kick him 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 out the Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. Uh, this program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. Our world's greatest producer, Kelly Whitworth, is with us and she's lined up an interview with a human rights activist and lawyer from Indonesia. Certainly have. Hello, Tohang Molya Lubis. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Uh, where in Indonesia are you currently? Well, I'm in Jakarta, the capital of Indonesia. Sorry? Jakarta. In Jakarta itself. Oh, excellent. Now, what? look, this is a 56-minute program. It's all about you. We have no commercials, no community announcements, no music. So this is well, one of the few programs where you'll be able to talk about an issue in depth now i understand you've uh, just had a a book published by the university yes. of melbourne press on uh, uh, corruption in indonesia is that correct yes the title is war on corruption an indonesian experience right now just for our listeners sake uh, how do you uh, spell your name if they want to look it up on on the web or how do I spell my name t-o D U N G then M U L Y A Yep then L U B I S Right okay even I can remember that and uh, <laughs> where were you born Where did I born Well I I born I was born in North Sumatra Right uh, a small small village you know not even on the map Right right and how look I'm going to ask you a rude question how old are you Hold on. How old? Yeah, how old? Wow, that's a good question. I'm 74. 74. You're my elder. I'm almost 72, so I'm going to have to be nice to you. Uh-oh. I need to respect my elders on this interview. <laughs> so how does a, a young lad from a village in North Sumatra, you know, born in 49, 
finds himself in Jakarta writing a book on corruption in Indonesia. Tell us about that journey. It's a long story. Well, that's we've got a lot of time. Yeah, it's a long story. I, I, I started my anti-corruption activities when I was a student mm-hmm. at the University of Indonesia. So is this, during the, is this during the Suharto regime or the Sukarno? Yes, that was during Suharto regime. Mm-hmm. I was uh, at my second years yeah, at the law school at the time. Mm-hmm. So when Suharto started building up mega project, yeah, which I thought was not the right time to do that because we did not have the money to uh, finance that. But Suharto insisted to have that project built up. So I organized the demonstrations against that project, you know, in Jakarta, because the money supposed to be, I mean, I thought it, it, it's better to be used for building up schools, bridges, yeah, mm-hmm. roads, infrastructures, not to build up mega project, which has nothing to do with uh, improvement of the quality yeah, of life in Indonesia. Right. And what year was that? What years? It was in 1971. 71. That wasn't... Very few people criticised the Suharto machine in those days. What made you brave enough to think that you could criticise them? Well, that was six years after he came to power. Mm. Yeah. And he was still very strong. Yeah. Very strong, Uh, yeah. Supported by the military and political parties and I was still very young at the time and of course you know I I did not have any fear yeah, I, I had nothing to lose mm-hmm. because I was very idealistic and I was talking about the truth yeah? mm-hmm. nothing but the truth so you would have been 20 21 then quite a young man well around, around that year yes uh, so um, was there much support for you from the university, from other students in the University of Indonesia? Well, we managed to have a quite, quite substantial number of students, you know, uh, joining mm-hmm. us at the yeah. time. Yeah, uh, the demonstration itself was quite uh, unprecedented. Yeah, in the early years of Suharto regime, because people didn't dare to demonstrate, and there has still. There has been a, a honeymoon between Suharto and the activists, political parties at that time. So I just broke that honeymoon. Right. So were there personal consequences for you and other students? For me? Mm. Well, I've been uh, called by the police, questioned by the police, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, probably, yeah, also uh, some of my friends yeah been called and investigated by the police but but that, that that's all at the moment you know i did have bad experience after that you know when i yes. also involved in a number of anti-corruption activities right. yeah, where uh, among others my passport was taken you know yes. by the authority yes. so i was banned from traveling yeah mm-hmm. so i could not leave the country for years mm. that was uh, in 1980 something 80, 80, 82 up to 85 
So why do you think your activities were tolerated, that you weren't thrown in jail and disappeared like a lot of people did in that, during that era? Huh. Uh, well, uh, demonstration to certain extent, yeah, were tolerated because that would showcase, you know, that would show the public, the international media, especially that, well, mm -hmm. there's a democracy, you know, mm. there's a, uh, what do you call it, you know, freedom of expression. Freedom of expression, yeah, a, a nice facade. A respect by the governments, yeah, mm. by the authority. But, yeah, that, that's only on the surface, but nothing nothing happened afterward. Right. So what were you studying at the university? What did I study? I studied law. and uh, Law? I, yeah, I studied law, but uh, particularly foreign investment, bankruptcy, and uh, later on I moved, I, I changed my subject to human rights. Right. Foreign investment and bankruptcy to human rights. That's an interesting uh, transition. Why the transition? Why? Well, I joined Indonesian Legal Aid, the famous NGOs doing pro bono legal works for the poor mm -hmm. without any, without fee, yeah, without charge. So uh, I came across a lot of cases uh, when I work with Legal Aid Institute, like yeah, land expropriation cases mm -hmm. where people been affected yeah, from their lands without free, without fair uh, compensation, mm. uh, labor dismissals, and then a political detention because uh, mm -hmm. there were a lot of political detainees at the time. You know? Yes. Those who were related to communist uh, That's parties. right. Yeah. So I, I did uh, involve in defending them. Mm. So you had, uh, so you did a lot of work for the uh, people who were accused of being communist who were detained because I think a lot of people have forgotten about uh, the massacres that occurred. Was it 62, was it, or? Well, it was 65. 61, yeah. We're talking about hundreds of thousands, aren't we? Yeah, there were 65, 66, yes. Yes. And um, how many, do you know how many people would have been detained after that, those massacres? How many? How many people would have been detained in prison? You said you were helping uh, some of these people as far as... Uh, uh, I don't recall the numbers, but uh, I know that uh, people talk about uh, how many people have been detained and killed. You know? mm, mm. Uh, Amnesty International talk about yeah, uh, one and a half million people uh, uh, killed at the time. How mm. many people have been detained? I don't, I don't know. There are a lot, of course. Mm. There are more, more than a million. And some of them have been uh, put in one small island in Malukus. Yes. Yeah? In Malukus, called Guru. Yeah? So those who are considered the, the big and special guy, you know, uh, were sent to Guru Island, you know, a kind of Gulag, yeah? mm -hmm. in that sense. Right. So were you assisting people... Uh, in those in those gulags, well, I, I, I did. I yes. Did. So, what type of work were you doing with them? And uh, was the Indonesian legal system 
open to uh, listening to your clients and yourself? Well, not easy. Yeah, not easy. As far as defending the communist uh, detainees, not much that we could do at the time because, uh, yeah, we we were not uh, entertained mm-hmm. by the authority. We we organized a protest. Yeah. Yep. We uh, issued petition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We uh, held a press conference. Yeah. But when we go to court, that was not, you know, yeah, possible. Yeah. Right. It was not possible. Right. Uh, when, if you are talking about student activists, you are talking about people who have been dismissed from their jobs or people who lost their land mm-hmm. because of uh, expropriations yeah, of the land. Then we still could, we still could, we, we could go to the court. Yeah? We yep. could go to the court and uh, sue the governments. But of course, you know, in most cases, we lost the case because the judiciary were, was not independent. Yeah, judiciary was an extension of the government. Yeah, so to speak. Yep. Yeah, legally they are independent, but in practice they are not that independent. So the so the judiciary was really an extension of the military. Well, uh, I think I should say the extension of the government because there is no separation of powers, you know. Right. So there's no no separation between judicial, legislative, and executive yeah. then in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. So uh, legally, of course, you know, on papers they are independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, if you're talking about what happened in the day-to-day practice, yeah, they are not really that. They are not independent at all. Not even now. Yeah. No. Now they are there. No, that's different because after 1998, you know, we have a reformasi here, reform movement. Right. And judiciary has regained its independence. Right. So we're talking about during the military Sahara dictatorship. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. during that period, is that when corruption became endemic? In Indonesia, yes. Well, uh, how about during you know, the Sukarno era? Was there issues well, there? Well, Sukarno, you had corruption, of course, you know. But law enforcement in 1950s seems to be quite, you know, uh, impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. impressive in the way that quite a number of, uh, yeah, uh, big guy, you know, were brought to court, sentenced to jail. Yeah. Yes. And the Judiciary, more or less, I could say, were independent at the t- was independent at the time. But the corruption is scattered. Yeah, it's not really that widespread. Right. And during Suharto time, corruption became widespread, yeah, systemic and endemic. Yeah. So that's what happened during the new order under Suharto. Suharto. So, uh, could I ask you a question? Because most of us wouldn't be familiar with this. When you talk about the Suharto government what was the government was it was it a self-appointed military government or were there ele- you know sham elections or who was in the government during that period well uh, they're elected yeah hmm. through uh, election but the question is whether you had a free and fair election right yeah? so uh, at that time Suharto allow only three political parties. We used to have multi-party governments in back in 1950s. Mm-hmm. But Suharto said, 
okay, there's no way you could have multi-parties under his uh, time. So he limit the parties to three. Yeah. Right. So uh, at that time, it was easier for him because he controls everything the, to uh, yeah, make yeah, what he calls sham election. Yeah? Yep. Election which looks like uh, what? Festivities. People go to the ballot, yeah, voted, yeah, and then uh, that's it, you know. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Were there yeah. seats reserved in Parliament for the military? I'm sorry, can you hear? Can uh, you hear I me? said during the Suharto period, were there seats reserved for the military in the Suharto yeah, 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 government? Yeah, twenty-five percent seats reserved for the military. Yes. Yes, right, and then so you had three political parties which were controlled by. Yeah. But then, in addition, mm. keep in mind also that there are military uh, people, yeah, retired military people uh, joining the parties. So in all three parties, you have resigned yeah, retired military officers. Mm. So at the end of the day, you have more than 25% military yeah, and police officers uh, sitting in, uh, in the parliament. Right. Now... How did this widespread corruption affect uh, Indonesians and Indonesian society during the, the Zahardo period? Well, I, I should say uh, during the Zahardo period, economic uh, growth, yeah, uh, seems to be, yeah, uh, quite okay. Mm-hmm. Suharto managed to to uh, develop the country, yeah, mm-hmm. to uh, alleviate yeah yep. poverty. But at the same time, compromise on corruption, yeah. So uh, it it is quite quite a paradox, yeah. On one hand, he did succeed in developing the countries. Yes. Yeah. Uh, making uh, positive economic growth, but at the same time allowing corruption taking place. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. So that is the irony. Yeah. yeah well, the irony is you did it. You, he did it on the back of the, uh, as you said, the land exploration, the um, the natural resources which were being stripped. You know, around the yeah. country, West Papua, Sumatra, Kalimantan, all those places. Yeah. Yeah, this is an extractive, you know, economy, mm. extractive uh, industries. Yeah. So, why did the Suharto administration come to an end? Well, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying corruption-wise, but why didn't he hand over power to his children like most dictators like to do these days? Well. You know how long he stayed in power? 32 years. 32 years, that's right. Yeah, a long time. That was a long time, you know. Mm. Uh, every election we had at the time end up with Suharto being a president. Uh, well, after five, uh, six elections, then uh, he became very confident yeah, of himself that nothing could take the power you know, out of uh, 
himself. From his hands, yeah. So Look, he, what, he began he to believe in his own propaganda, did he? <laughs> very authoritarian, yeah. Mm -hmm. He feels that he will be uh, a life president. Uh -huh. And then the corruption became, yeah, a liability, of course, you know. The corruption, uh, yeah, involving all his cronies and relatives and families, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, that was probably the thing that make people made people uh yeah uh, finally yeah uh, went to the street demonstrated you know and uh fortunately unfortunately you know we had a financial crisis asian financial crisis right where indonesian was affected badly yeah. you had a high inflation inflation and the currency skyrocketed yeah, from uh, 2000 to 25,000. Yeah, right. From 2000 to 25,000. Yeah. So uh, that was really, yeah. That, that so what, the middle class, the middle class has lost everything overnight? That hit so hard, you know. Yeah. So uh, he could not save his, uh, his government mm. because of that. Were the protests... Yeah. Uh, relatively peaceful, or did the military try to? Um, oh yeah, military uh, tried to stop them to prevent them. I think that there have been a number of people killed, of course, mm -hmm. killed, injured, and uh, detained. Yeah, but yeah, how? No, no matter uh, how strong the military is, you know, no, no military can uh, win the people power. No, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, and what's I know the Indonesian military is uh, brutal as far as West Papua is concerned, but what's its relationship like with uh, with Indonesians say today? Well, now military is not in power anymore. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that there are no military, you know, at mm -hmm. all, but those retired military generals, you know, they are still within the cabinet. They are still within the parliaments. Right. They are also within the judiciary, but they are really, you know, not uh, a privilege. You know, they are, they are not a special uh, force yeah, to be reckoned with. Because, yeah, if they were in cabinets, they were appointed on their individual capacities. Right. Know? They are not representing the military because the active military. The active generals, yeah, uh, are not allowed to to have a civilian position. Yeah, right. so uh, that that that's the rule. Mm. Yeah. So, so the relationship between the Indonesian military and the Indonesian people is a relatively, um, how shall I put it, relatively. Stable relationship. The the Indonesian people aren't concerned about well, that. Yeah, yeah. At, at the moment, yes. Yeah. Yes. But uh, what I'm, I'm trying to say is, the military is still there, although it is not officially, you know. Uh, 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 oh, all right. Let's go back now. Sahata. It was '98, was it, when he was? Uh, what? What year was Sahata overthrown? Well, Sahata. Uh, it was in 1998 when he stepped down. He stepped down. He wasn't. He actually stepped down. I remember the protests. I remember the footage yeah. we 
got here in Australia. They were quite massive. So what changes do that make as far as your ability to, you know, pursue uh, your human rights agenda? Well, uh, after he stepped down from power, then we uh, embarked on series of reform, political reform, yeah, uh, economic reform, mm -hmm. legal reform or law reform, and uh, judiciary also became more and more uh, independent. Mm -hmm. uh, I uh, happened to be a lawyer of Time magazine at the time, right. which was sued by Suharto for defamations because Time magazine published a special report on corruption of the families of Suharto. Yes. Yeah. So that was a big, big report. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Suharto, of course, you know, uh, offended. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't happy he about his son, was he? Yeah. <laughs> denied the the the, uh, the news. Yeah. Hmm. He even said that he did not even one one penny, you know, in hmm. bank, uh, in in his bank account. Hmm. But. Uh, the fact of the matter is, yeah, Time magazine, yeah, did their investigations, yeah, uh, discovered quite a lot of evidence, yeah, as far as I know, mm -hmm. and went ahead with the publications. So when they were sued by Suharto for defamation, I, I represented Time magazine, and the court at the time, interestingly, uh, argued that. Well, public uh, re, uh, news uh, may, uh, news reporting on public interest, yeah, especially corruption, mm -hmm. it's not a crime. So, if it is for public interest, then there's no defamation, you know. Right, uh, right. Can be taken. So obviously, he lost that case, and um, well. He uh, Time magazine won the case at the first instance and the second instance at the appellate court. Yes. But we, the Time magazine lost the case at the Supreme Court. But when I did a case review later on, uh, the Supreme Court, uh, yeah, uh, declared that Time, you know, did not uh, violate any any laws, you know. Right. So, uh, Time magazine was uh, was. Uh, yeah, was uh, what do you call it? No, right. uh, he's right. not acquitted. And it, was, it was a civil case. No? Right. He, Time magazine won the case. All right. Look, um, just I'll just do a, a little announcement. Uh, this is Radical Australian Community Radio Three CR. We have a link with uh, Todang Molya Lubis uh, in Jakarta. A, uh, he's just published a book on uh, corruption in Indonesia. Public uh, published by uh, Melbourne University. Press obviously been 74 and a fighter for human rights and anti-corruption campaigner for uh, decades. He knows what he's talking about. Now, with the transition in '98, was it a real transition, or did those corrupt figures able to maintain the wealth they they'd acquired corruptly? Well, I think we started, you know, uh, serious anti-corruption eradication campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, Habibi, who replaced Suharto, issued a number of uh, laws, yeah? enacted a number of laws, among others setting up, you know, uh, 
what we call here state auxiliary agencies yeah to deal with corruption to deal with uh with freedom of the press to deal with uh election yeah? and after habibi uh finished his uh presidency president megawati officially set up the corruption eradication commission mm-hmm. that that commission that we call it kpk is the most powerful anti corruption commission yeah that ever established in indonesia yeah now mm-hmm. for the first 10 yeah up to 15 years i could say that the corruption eradication commission has done a very uh, extremely good job yeah bringing a lot of people to court you know for yep. corruption mm-hmm. including regents governors parliamentarians uh, so you're talking about big brass people high up on yeah, the uh, feeding yeah, yeah. chain governors as you said i'm talking about uh, grand corruption yeah, yeah? So, when, when you uh, talk those, about corruption could you just give us i mean it's it's a why it's a word which encompasses a lot of things you know what could you explain what what corruption is in indonesia what what's the main form it well, takes there, there are two type of corruption mm. one what we call petty corruption yeah because when you don't have enough uh, remuneration yeah you cannot have a decent life so there are a lot of people you know uh yeah were forced to corrupt to pay their yeah pay their expenses, bills you know, mm. uh, to be able to have a decent life now I, i i'm not condoning that but again yeah that's what happened yeah they were forced to do that yeah now, but what i'm worried yeah what i'm concerned yeah the most is what we call grand corruption corruption not because they need the money to have a decent life but corruption to enrich themselves to enrich enrich the the group you know or the mm. families mm. now by using and abusing the power they have this is the grand corruption which actually mostly done by politician yeah those who are in the parliaments those who are in the uh, provincial governments those who are in the cabinet so those are the grand corruption So and what does that entail people giving contracts out for uh, uh cash well, payments that type of thing giving license you know yeah, yeah. for uh mining you know activities mm. or for yeah. plantations or giving contract for procurements you know mm-hmm. or marking up the price yeah for uh yeah uh at everything yeah, yeah. so tax manipulations yeah. all, all this are corruption Uh, that can only be committed by those who are close to power or who those who are mm. in power you know what we australia is catching up with you there's been oh. a lot of exposure in the last few months regarding wow. corrupt activities which we would never have imagined in the past but mm. um, well, well, uh, let me add one more thing here yes because uh, i said two kind of corruption petty corruption and, and grand corruption yeah. but after that we have a more sophisticated you know uh, corruption you know in a form what we call 
state capture corruption. Yep. So the state is being captured by those corrupt, you know, politicians or officials you know, in order to accumulate wealth. Yeah. So now you are talking about how they uh, reduce legislations, how they uh, organize uh, tender, yeah. yes. how they uh, contract uh, yeah, procurement, yeah, everything by abusing and misusing the power they have. This this is what I know. I know you'll find this hard to believe, but this is what's happening in Australia today. Oh, it's uh, state captured corruption. It's becoming a significant issue. But let's get him back to you. Said for fifteen years, the Anti Corruption Commission did a job, a good job. So. Yes. What happened? Well, this is about 2013, 2014. What happened in Indonesia? Did they close down the commission or? Well, I think uh, the Corruption Eradication Commission or KPK yeah, has been a showcase yeah, for Indonesian success stories uh, by bringing all the governors, all the regents, all the parliamentarians, yeah, mm. all the ministers, directors, generals, business, big businessmen. But of course, you know, the power, yeah, where the power lies, the power lies in, in the hands of the politician, you know, uh, the member of parliaments when they issue laws, when they uh, promulgated law, when they pass the law. Mm. So uh, the law on anti-corruption commission, the law on uh, corruption eradication commission have been revised yeah, by the parliaments. So when they pass the revised version of corruption eradication commission, then they, they succeeded in dismantling the powers of Corruption Eradication Commission. Now, that was the process when weakening yeah, of anti-corruption movement started in Indonesia. And now, yeah, sorry to say, yeah, we, we don't have strong and independent Corruption Eradication Commission anymore. Right. Yeah. So any of those corrupt governors and politicians and corporate leaders you were talking about, did they ever spend a, a day in jail? Oh, yeah, yeah, they were in jail, yeah. They were jailed. Yeah. 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 It's a better record than we have here. There's one, one prison in Bandung, West Java province, mm. where you have uh, all corrupts, you know, uh, convicts, you know, mm. uh, uh, you know uh, jailed there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, there's one big one. Yeah. One big one. For those big corrupt, you know, yeah. for all those uh, who are committed uh, what I call grand corruption, yeah, yeah. They, they'll be sent there. They yeah. sent to that jail. Yeah. Uh, and do they have running water and uh, and oh, nice that beds? Is, <laughs> that, is, that is a beautiful uh, jail. That's what I thought, yeah. Built up during the colonial time. Uh, internet services, servants. I think they do. They do. Yeah. They do have that. Yeah. Uh, they do internet. They do have a yeah Wi-Fi. You know? Yes. <laughs> so uh, then you you're talking about something else. You know. Yes. The corruption within the prison system is also another issue that has to be you know yes. taken into consideration. Yes. Yes. So is is the judiciary these days independent when it comes to these corruption trials? Well, or? we 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 managed to have. Uh, improvements, yeah, 
mm. what what number of improvements within our legal system with judiciary with the police you know the prosecutor's office but we we could have we could have done more yeah uh, but yeah uh, it is yeah it is not easier yeah, to transform the weak and partial judiciary into completely free independent and impartial judiciary mm-hmm. we, we might need a few more years to do that yeah but again you know we we, we did make some improvement yeah i'm not happy i'm not pleased yeah because there's still corruption within the judiciary there's still corruption within the prosecutor's office within the police yeah? so uh yeah we still have a lot of homework to do mm. what do the indonesian people themselves or the indonesian media let's talk about the media have they been useful in exposing corruption or or they actually tend to hide it from view well there's no way you can succeed in fighting corruption without the support of the media mm. and i think uh after 1998 reformasi or reform yeah media regained its uh, independence so media has been a partner you know of the anti-corruption movement in indonesia but lately of course you know people talk about illiberal policy yeah liberal policy uh, imposed by the governments when you have illiberal policy you yeah limit the freedom yeah and the press of course has been affected by this illiberal policy they have to do their own self censorship because they will you know i don't think they will uh yeah probably yeah uh they, they want to confront uh, to confront the authority, the power, you know, the mm. holders, you know, mm. directly. So they have to be careful. So uh, the press, yes, they are still independent. If you compare that with Singapore, of course, you know, we are more, more, more free and more independent mm-hmm. in our media. But yeah, uh, we should have, we should be more independent. Yeah? That's what I'm saying. Is the press in Indonesia um, owned by? A few people, or is it? It's got more diverse ownership. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, most of the press, yeah, especially the big one, owned by the conglomerates. Mm. The conglomerates, you know, own political parties. They run the political parties. So uh, we 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 have very few, yeah, uh, media which are considered independent. Yeah, quote unquote. Yeah. Probably two or three. Mm. Yeah, dress. I don't think they are that independent. Right. And how about social media? Has that been useful in your struggle, the development of social media in the last twenty years or so? Yeah, yeah. People rely on social media more and more. Although, at the same time, you have, uh, yeah. Uh, fake news, you have uh, hawks, you have misrepresentation yeah, mm. in the social media. The algorithm has already, you know, yeah, helped them, you know, to spread out all the misrepresentation, fake news. Yeah, but, yeah, that, that's what happened in social media. But uh, on the positive side, social media also has uh, its role in 
yeah, uh, disseminating all this uh, human rights violation, all these corruption cases, so people have access to that. Right. And the government, the current government, has made no attempt to shut that down. Well, uh, they did actually, but again, you know, uh, no matter how fast the governments, yeah, doing that, the people running the social media have their own way to yes. overcome that. That's right. Many you, ways. You know, you know better than me. Yes, many ways, many ways. Well, it's good to hear. Now, I'm just to put us in the picture regarding the current government. Now, here in Australia, the current president gets a lot of good press. Uh, what's his reputation like in Indonesia and the party he represents? Well, he's, uh, yeah, he's known to be very straightforward, mm-hmm. very clean, you know, yep. very committed to uh, to uh, anti-corruption, yeah. but yeah, he's now also being surrounded by quite a number of people who have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. Now with uh, his final year in power, because we will have election next year, you know, he has to think about the transition yeah, of powers yeah, from uh, his party yeah, to another uh, yeah, candidate. Yeah. So he has been very much occupied with all these things. Yeah, and I'm afraid that corruption you know, is not really high on his agenda at the moment. Mm. Now, regarding the political parties that will be contesting the uh, next election, which, which are the main parties? And uh, give us an idea of their uh, main policies. Well, still, uh, you, the PDIP, the parties of the president, is leading, you know, mm. the uh, contestation. Uh, you have other parties, of course, you know. Golkar is the parties uh, established during the Suharto time. And then Grindra, yeah. It's a party led by Prabowo, uh, mm. military generals, yeah, former military generals, and there are other Islamic parties as well. Yeah, we have we have probably around fourteen parties, uh, yeah, contesting the election next year. Right. So you you have, you have a president, and do you have two chambers of parliament, or just one one chamber? Uh, two chambers. Two chambers, and uh, and can the upper house can that actually uh, block legislation from the uh, the no, lower house? That, that, that we, we don't subscribe to that system. So, what system do you subscribe to? Tell us the, about well, the system in Indonesia. All the, all, all the legislation passed by you know in in our parliaments, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the what you call in US is Senate, you know. The Senate, yes. Upper, yeah, or, or upper house, you know. They mm-hmm. don't have a power to to block the legislation. Right. So it's just a house of review. Mm-hmm. Mm. So why do people keep voting for the same corrupt groups? Well, uh, I know it's a hard question. I, I <laughs> yeah. People uh, have. Yeah, 
I mean, I mean, is the system corrupt itself, or is it designed in a way to ensure they get re-elected, or do people really don't care one way or another, and they just, you know, well, keep following? There, there are people who are who, who don't care about you know who are you know who will be uh, elected. Yeah, mm. uh, there are people who don't vote. You know, yep. Every time you know you have election, yeah. But there are also people who have been very close to the parties, yeah, uh, and being probably, uh, yeah, a loyal uh, and paid members of the part uh, of the parties. Because here you talk about, yeah, what what we call money politics, you know. Right. Yeah. So uh, the food buy, buying is a common practice in Indonesia. Right. Every time you have election, be it for the governors, be it for the presidents or for the member parliaments, you have a vote buying you know, everywhere. Of course, you know you cannot, uh, yeah, prove that, yeah, but that what has been the allegations, right. that what has been the. So what uh, they're giving people are giving out money to people to vote for them. Well, not not exactly money, but some, but of course you know they promises promises. Uh, they, they they gave them also other things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, promises. Well, that's the same here. Yeah. Pro- promises, promises, promises. So, how do you feel about the future for Indonesia? Uh, well, uh, it really depends on the young people now. Mm-hmm. You know how many young people going to use their votes for the first time? I think we will. We we have around fifty-two percent young voters in Indonesia. Right. So this is quite interesting to see. Now, whether these young voters will uh, vote the traditional uh, veteran senior politicians who are known to be unclean, it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm really uh, curious to see what's going to happen with this election. Yeah. At the same time, you have also many young people. Joining the, joining political parties and running for public office. Now this is also quite quite interesting to to watch. Right. So uh, what what uh, happened, you know, next year's you know after the election, that would probably dictate us, you know, that would probably give us some some clue on, on mm. where we are going. So obviously the the election will be fought in social media more than any, anywhere else. If there's a lot of young people involved. Now, when you talk about grand corruption, do the same family names appear over and over again, or is it a more well, widespread problem? Well, you, 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 in my book, you know, I mentioned about political dynasty. Yes. Now, dynasty uh, with all the families and cronies, you know, controlling the public position, you know, in, let's say in one single province. So the parliaments, yeah, the executive, yeah, and the judiciary. So the and also the position of the the mayors, yeah, the the regents had, yeah, regency had. So all you know in the hands of one single family, yeah, and relatives and and cronies, mm-hmm. yeah. So that that happens, but yeah, that is. Uh, 
yes, that is still the case, you know, in number of places. But you have a new, new breed, you know, mm-hmm. new generation of corrupt people. Yes. Those who just join the powers uh, or the, polit- the the political parties and happen to be in the governments, they may be, you know, uh-huh. new co- uh, actors in corruption. Mm-hmm. Now, this book you've uh, had the University mm-hmm. of Melbourne published titled Corruption. Is were you able to have it published in Indonesia, mm-hmm. or did you have to go out of Indonesia to have it published? Well, I, I love this book to be published, you know, to be translated into Bahasa Indonesia. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm still looking for a publisher. anyone who, who, who is willing to have it translated mm. and willing to have this uh, published in Indonesia. Mm. Mm. But you ha- couldn't find any publishers in Indonesia. You had to come to Australia, the University of Melbourne Press. Mm. Well, I know a lot of people would not be happy yeah, with this book. Yeah? Yes. Uh, yes. Maybe some people would, uh, well, would not object, but probably, uh, yeah. Uh, right. Well, do you, uh, but do I don't know. Do you feel you? Do you feel that your personal safety has now become an issue because you've put this uh, these ideas in the public arena? Well. I think that's part of the price I have to pay, you know, being an anti-corruption activist. Mm. So I, I, I don't take everything for granted in my life. Right. Fair enough. And um, what are your plans for the future? Well, I'm 74 years old now, as, as I mentioned earlier. Mm. Yeah, I would spend yeah, my time with my grandkids but in addition to that, I already committed myself to teaching. So I'll be teaching at the University of Indonesia and Gajah Mada University starting next semester. Right. Have you taught there before? Yes. Right. And, and what, what will be the main subjects you'll be teaching? Well, at the law school, University of Indonesia, I'll be teaching uh, uh, politics of law. Mm-hmm. That is my subject. And at the Kajamada University, my subject is uh, welfare state. Right. Fascinating. And obviously you've done a lot of publications in the past? Well, I published a number of books in Indonesia, yes. Yes. What about those and particular I, 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 topics? I do write op you know, in the media. Yeah, yeah. All right, so obviously... Uh, you're uh, a respected member in certain quarters in Indonesia and uh, disrespected in other quarters for telling the truth. Yeah. Well, at least you I can li- at least you can lie straight in bed at night. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. You're now, in the last right, five yeah. minutes or so, could you just give us a, a synopsis of the book, uh, Total synopsis Corruption? Book. Yeah, you got okay. about five minutes. Well, this is a book about Indonesian uh, history in fighting corruption. Yeah, I started with uh, one a chapter uh, that probably give you the background mm-hmm. on corruption uh, eradication activities in Indonesia. Yeah, of course, you know. Uh, before that, I uh, tried to. Uh, explain, you know, some notion of corruption, 
uh, under the law, mm-hmm. also corruption as uh, seen by uh, experts, as well as international organization like the World Bank, IMF, and others. Mm-hmm. So I I, I uh, did describe number of corruption cases uh, happens during the Sukarno times back in 1950s and then also during the Suharto times yeah, for 32 years, 32 years of mm-hmm. his uh, presidency and then after that I described the emergence of the anti-corruption movement and the birth of Corruption Eradication Commission mm-hmm. as uh, what I call in my book a super body. Yeah? Right. Corruption, uh, agent, anti-corruption agency with all the powers needed yeah, to fight corruption and with all the success stories. Yeah? So that is uh, the one-one chapters and then I describe also the what I call the state capture corruption because corruption has been very systematic, very endemic and widespread yeah and also uh describing number of big cases yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, including uh, the case of suhartos you know uh, as it was publicized by time magazine right those are in a nutshell you know what i uh, wrote in my books you know it is uh, not really that long yeah 232 mm. pages So, but uh, those are the 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 chapters, you know. Yes, the oh, I, th- of yeah. I think people need to realize this is an easy book to read. It's not, a, ah, you know, it's so. not a, you know, <laughs> it's an easy. And that's what you want. You want to be able to yeah. move from the academic world into, you know, the general population. It's called War on Corruption: An Indonesian yeah. Experience. Todang Mulya Lubis, L-U-B-I-S, and it's the uh, University of Melbourne. Press so us being in Melbourne, I'm sure we'll have no problem accessing it. So look, I congratulate you on, on a life well lived, and that's Thank the you, and that's the key. That's the key about living. It's a life well lived. Some people live a life and they just disappear from the face of the planet because they've done nothing, and others <laughs> do the hard work. And uh, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I encourage people to get to. to access the book and I'd like to thank our producer Kelly Whitworth because she's made all this possible for us. Thank you very much Tadang. Thank you, thank you so much. All the very best. Yes, same to you. And love is getting closer And time is growing shorter And life is growing harder But everything in it is becoming clearer And everything is much busier But our laughs are getting louder And we're all getting older And the rain is disappearing And the days are getting longer And our planet's getting hotter So let's jump on our bikes and cycle around the entire world With the wind in our hair we could take it out anytime, anywhere And I'll ding you 
need an extra layer for the cooler months? We've got great new long sleeve tops that proudly say Workers Radio. Available now online or at the station. Perfect for layering when you're out on the street. They'll have you picket line ready for winter. At $40, you'll get a great quality shirt ethically and locally manufactured by Qualitops in Reservoir. Order now and we'll post one out for $8.50. Or you can pick it up from the station. Buy one online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Or come into the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.